Uh, good morning. Uh, it's, it's always good to gather right after Christmas because we're still on that, that big high of, of, you know, family and all that. And if, if you're family visiting here, uh, someone, welcome here. Uh, it's great that when families can come together and worship and, uh, that's just a, a great thing. We had a great Christmas on, on my side of the family. Anytime you have kids around, Christmas is awesome. Uh, except if you're like the parent, like it's fun to watch, but then it's, oh man, it's tiring. So it's, it's, uh, I know there's a lot of families that are probably just sleeping in, catching up on some, some rest, some that they didn't get Christmas morning or, or whatever it is. Uh, one of the things I'm planning to do over the, the holidays is do some studies. Uh, I, many of you may not know I'm enrolled in a master's program in leadership and uh, management through Briarcrest and so I have papers and all of that kind of stuff to write that I'm, I'm looking forward to, to really sinking, sinking my teeth into. One of the books that, uh, that is, is a text that, that you read throughout this, this program is a book called, uh, called Good to Great. Uh, it's by Jim Collins. And, uh, one of the, the key things that he does is he, he, he looks at a, a level five leader, an, an executive leader. And it, it, this book came out in, in early 2000s, and this was kind of revolutionary study on, on leadership, because in a, in a culture where a visionary leader was the key type of leader, all of a sudden he found that, no, actually to be a level five leader in, in, in the new millennium, that there needed to be a level of humility that came in. You need to have a servant attitude to be a, a leader. And there were many level four leaders, visionary leaders in the 80s that were caught off guard. They were ready to cast their vision and, and go out there. And they didn't have a lot of people following them because they didn't show the humility level, the servant attitude that was needed to be uh, what Jim Collins lists as a, a level five top end uh, leader. Jesus was a, a humble leader. And in fact, Christmas is really all about humility. God coming down to earth. The creator entering into his creation. The artist entering into his painting. The author entering into the story that he's written. The king becomes a slave. The ruler subjects himself to going on trial. The worshipped one had to learn to praise in human form. The all-powerful one, the one who holds the whole universe together, became weak and helpless, became dependent on a new first-time mother. The all-knowing one needed to learn how to count. The great teacher became a student. As you can hear, uh, humility has a rather low position. Instead of glory and praise and exaltedness, or on the negative side, selfishness and judgment and pride, humility ends up putting itself low. Service, obedience, inquiry, modesty, meekness. For those of you who are Charlotte's Web fans, Charlotte is a spider. She's describing a wonderful uh, pig named Wilbur. And her line in, the, in, the, in it is, Charlotte is saying, humble. Humble has two meanings. It means not proud. And it means near to the ground. And that's Wilbur all over. 
He's not proud, and he's near to the ground. This morning we're going to look at the one who came low to the ground, literally, leaving heaven and coming to earth. Jesus came low, he came near, he came close. Humble coming from the word humus, meaning earth. Now, just so that we're all clear, Jesus remained fully God. And he also became fully human. There wasn't a 50-50 split here of of half man, half God. This is 100% and 100%, something we don't really understand. And Jesus wasn't faking his humanity. He wasn't just God being like, hee hee, I'm faking this human. No, he was human. And he wasn't a human who was faking to be God either, as C.S. Lewis talks about. Jesus, in coming to earth, fully God and fully man at the same time. Philippians chapter 2 captures this, uh, probably one of the, the better scriptures on this. Philippians 2, 5 to 8. In your relationships with one another, Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, and even death on a cross. And so Jesus came as a servant, And if you want to lead these days, there needs to be humble recognition of those that you are serving those around you. A quote from one author says, self-importance devalues others. Ego wants to be the leader. Humility, on the other hand, aspires to add value and make a difference regardless of position. Philippians chapter 2 in the NIV version, is titled Imitating Christ's Humility. That's where we're going to kind of park for most of this morning. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, just before the passage that I read before. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Humility, valuing others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Christ came to earth to set an example of how we are to live with humility in relationship with one another and valuing others above ourselves. So I have three statements that uh, I'll expand on here uh, about humility. Uh, When we act humbly, Others are honored. There is meekness. The contrast to this is pride. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So that they, so that you, so that us, so that we can have life. Jesus didn't come for himself. He came for us so that we may have life and have it to the full. Someone who is a good servant adds value to others, to their organization, to their master. Anytime we carry a position of self-importance, 
we end up devaluing others around us. If we act with self-importance, we put ourselves above the other. I sit in first class. You sit in coach. I'm the backbone of this organization. You are disposable. I am up here. You are down there. This is, this is the life that Jesus lived. Of t- setting aside self-importance so that others would be honored. He takes the towel and he washes his disciples' feet. He helps the sick so that they could be well. He becomes the maker of wine so that the wedding host can receive praise instead of shame. He submits, he gives up his will to live out his Father's will. He gives up his life so that we can live eternally. A good servant willingly lowers themselves. I'll go below so that you can go above. I'll take the leftovers. You can have the prime cut. How many of you did that this Christmas? I'll do the work. You get the glory. Back to Philippians 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. My summary statement here is, it takes humility to serve, but when we do, we add value to others. Second line. When we act humbly, others are included. There is unity. The contrast is selfishness. Humility puts ourselves as part of the team. This is what Jim Collins is talking about. We work together with others. We succeed and we celebrate as a group. Others' ideas and skills are valued. Jesus came and made himself human. He was part of a family. He worked alongside of Joseph. He chose others to change the world with him. He chose the twelve, but then he also chose others. He needed the disciples to pray for him. He needed Mary to feed him. He needed priests to teach him. He could have done it on his own, but he limited himself, his own power, and as a result, others were included in his ministry. At home, my wife can bake cookies rather a bit quicker without kids. But she limits her power so that the kids can be included and learn to bake cookies. Limiting your power isn't a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. It takes more strength to hold back our will or our force than it does to fully exert it. As a leader, we lay aside our ideas so that the team can contribute and can buy into the project. You may have a better way, but more often than not, the ideas that are created by a team will be far superior than when one person comes up with their own idea. Achieving our objective is more important than getting your own way or just getting the recognition. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he says, I have given the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as as you have loved me. That we may be one just as the Father and Christ are one. 
there is no competition as to who's better in the Trinity. Philippians 2, Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. At family gatherings, we watch older children play with the younger ones. That's an act of humility. They're giving up their idea of fun so that younger siblings or younger cousins can join in the game. One of the great things about the church is that we're on a level playing field. During the week, you may have a significant role in your company, but then you worship together with your employees, slaves and masters in unity worshiping. That takes humility. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, I'll add in there, there's neither kid nor adult, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. My summary for the second point would be, it takes humility for us to set aside our perceived identity, but when we do, we are able to live in unity with one another. Third statement. When we act humbly, others become experts. There is wisdom. The contrast here is judgment. James 3, uh, 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. One of the definitions that I heard in, in one of my classes uh, as we were discussing this was that humility is a non-judgmental state of mind from which we are best able to learn, reflect on, and understand. When we are humble, we lay down our judgmentalness towards others. A judgmental attitude assumes that you know you are right and they are wrong. They shouldn't be acting or doing or being or wearing or talking or living that way. There's an assumption that you know better than them. They're doing that. I am doing this. And my way is better. The humble person assumes that others know better than they do. They become a discerning listener and learner. The key here is to ask questions. See, Jesus was and is the great judge. He will judge all of us. Not popular to talk about these days. But in the days of the Israelites, it was wildly popular to talk about God as judge because he was a fair judge. People looked forward to the judgment of God because he would ju judge them justly and fairly, unlike the rulers of that day. But he set aside the role of judge and became a question asker. He became a learner. He became a child. He learned to walk. He learned to read the Torah. Kind of a wild idea that Jesus had to learn his own words. He learned how to create with a hammer and chisel. The same one who, the God of the universe, learning from creation. The same one who made the heavens and the earth, now learning from his own creation how to use a hammer, how to use a chisel. He became the master question asker. Are you okay? 
Good. As a leader, we need to lay aside the, our belief that our way is right or the best. Instead, we need to become a learner. The less power that one pers- a person has, the more that they try to understand a situation or a problem. I think this is why Jesus loved children so much. Children ask questions. Mark 10, 14, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then at the end of Mark chapter 10, James and John, his disciples, are asking for positions in glory. Jesus replies, Whoever wants to be great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Jesus loves children. They're learners. They know that they don't know, and so they ask questions, sometimes rather incessantly. They pay attention, sometimes. In school, they learn for six hours a day, and they know that they don't have power. Compare that with those of us who have been in a job for many years. Pastors, teachers, electricians, mail carriers we likely get into a rut and we don't learn nearly as quickly. When trends or expectations come, we don't have the flexibility to adapt. To adapt means that we need to learn. We need to ask questions and not just assume that the way it's been done for all these years is right. My summary statement for this third point is that it takes humility to learn, adapt, and ask questions, but... When we do, we grow in wisdom and deeper understanding. So how do we grow in humility? I've alluded to some of these things already. Number one, ask questions. Become a learner. Go back to school, audit a class, learn a new hobby. This morning I tried a little experiment to teach myself a little bit of humility. We were going to maybe model it in front of the, the church, but it didn't quite work, which is good and fine. I asked my, one of the, the talents that I, I lack, significantly lack, is anything musical. Sorry, you're not going to see me up here leading anytime soon. So I asked my eight-year-old to teach me how to play the piano. Sophia is a master pianist for an eight-year-old. And so I asked her, Sophia, how do you play the piano? She said, well, Dad, you have to start with the easiest book. So she got out her book, and she took me over to the piano, and we ended up sitting down at the piano, and I had to learn where the piano was, even though I know where it is, but it's okay, I'm sitting down at the piano. And then she said, okay, well, this key, that's A, and I'm trying to find it here. I didn't learn very well. A, 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 A. And she'd B, C, D, E, F, G. And she sits me down and then, and then, oh, and then there was this one, uh, flats. And she, Sophia, tell me if this is right here. Yeah? Am I doing it right? Okay, thank you. See, I learned. When we have to learn something totally new, all of a sudden my eight-year-old daughter, who's used to me being in the position of authority and stuff, all of a sudden she becomes the expert. I had to become the learner. I had to learn from an eight-year-old that I usually boss around and tell her to clean her room and all those kinds of things. She was a wonderful teacher. 
I was a terrible student, as you can see. But if we want to grow in humility, in Christ-likeness, we need to ask questions. Ask questions of things that we don't understand. Acknowledge that we don't know everything. Try someone else's idea. When we ask questions, we will grow in wisdom. So how do we grow in humility? Second point, keep quiet. Even if there is an injustice against you, Jesus suffered unjustly. He was wronged and he was innocent. But he remained silent. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. We live in a day where we are taught to stand up for our rights. I'd suggest that Jesus gave up his rights so that he could stand up for the rights of others. Speak boldly for others. As believers, we have one right, that is to become children of God, John chapter 1, verse 12. When we keep quiet, we will grow in contentment. Number three, to grow in humility. By the way, this is by far from an exhaustive list. You can check out Google Mother Teresa humility if you want a great list. Here's just four quick things. I have much to learn. Uh, number three, say sorry. Apologizing admits that we are wrong. When we confess our sins to one another, we admit that we don't have it all together. It brings us low. It brings us together in unity with others because we are united in our sinfulness and our need for a Savior. We are all sinners. And we all need to admit that we are wrong. First to God, because it's him that we have wronged first, but then also to one another. If you want to grow in humility, say sorry. When we say sorry, we grow in unity. Number four to grow in humility, worship. Look up. The problem with looking down on others is that you don't see what is above you. Go outside on a clear night and check out the northern lights. Not just when you're driving in the country, but actually stop. Get out and think about it. Look up. Realize how small you really are and worship God. Be in awe of how great he is and how small you are. When we worship, we grow in dependence. Not in dependence. In base dependence. So, if we do these things, what happens? What happens to the humble? Unfortunately, the answer is obedience unto death, even death on a cross. But, then comes verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the end, the humble get exalted. 
may not happen in this life. This life may be hard. Humility may not be rewarded. But it will be in the next life when we truly are in glory. Uh, To conclude, I'd like to read you the words of Jesus, probably his best teaching on humility. It comes from Matthew chapter 5 and is known as the Beatitudes. Let's close with this. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Let's pray. Jesus, you came to earth humbly as a baby. No honor, no glory, no great parade to celebrate you instead of a lowly manger, a few shepherds. Jesus, may we take on that attitude of humility as we learn from your coming to earth how we should live humbly with one another so that we can be unified with one another, so that we can grow in wisdom. Jesus, we ask that you would continue to humble us, prepare us to be humbled, Allow us, give us the strength and the courage that we need in those moments of humility to put our trust fully in you and not just trust in our own identity and our own uh, selfishness, but to fully submit and trust in you and in your ways. And may you be honored and glorified through that. In your name, amen.